Welcome to Future of Journalism, a podcast from the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism at the University of Oxford. I'm Federica Cherubini, the Head of Leadership Development at the Institute. This is a special series of our podcast, and it's dedicated to our digital news report 2022. Over seven episodes, we are diving into the most comprehensive piece of research on news consumption around the world. In this episode of the series, we join by Dr. Craig Robertson, postdoctoral research fellow at the Institute and part of the Digital News Report team. For the report, Craig has looked at how audiences engage with news around climate change, undoubtedly one of the most defining issues of our time. We'll look at how interest varies across the world, what sources of information people prefer, and attitudes towards news organizations taking a more active role in their climate coverage. Craig, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Federica. Firstly, what do you think makes climate change a tricky issue for newsroom to cover? Is that there is always seem to be a more immediate story that takes priority? I think there's a there's a few things that make it tricky, and this is just from my point of view as a researcher. Uh, but one issue is just how large and complicated the story is, so it can be difficult to tackle head-on. We're talking about a process that is playing out over time that's affecting many different things, and which can actually be very hard to explain. So the and the, also the causes are multifaceted for climate change, um, and the effects are multifaceted. So it's hard to put all that into a short news piece. And then the process of explaining greenhouse gas emissions, their effect on climate, to the implications for global ecosystems is, is a pretty large task. Um, and I think another reason it's difficult to cover, and this links to what you said, is that the story plays out gradually over time. And this can mean that climate change doesn't quite fit in with the uh, so-called news values. So these are the kind of unwritten rules of journalism, the features of stories which make them interesting or worth covering. So news values might include things like immediacy or novelty or timeliness. Um, you cover a house fire because it's immediate and there in front of you, or a protest because it's a sort of vis visible demonstration of people's anger and frustration. Uh, but climate change doesn't always have that kind of immediate face. Um, temperatures rise gradually, ecosystems are impacted gradually. Um, so the effects take time and there aren't always those visible and obvious and immediate things to focus on. Um, that's unless there's a big fire or a flood related to climate change. Then there's something that you can point a camera at. Um, but at the point that there's a big forest fire or flood, um, that's arguably a bad thing. It's too late because at that point, things have already gotten pretty bad. Uh, you need to cover the causes and the trends and the underlying science. Um, but that stuff, in, in some ways, can always be pushed aside until the next week or the next month because there's another story like a political scandal or a court case that takes a more immediate focus. Um, but arguably, climate change always needs that focus on it because it's such a big story um, and it won't go away. But all this relates to sort of the third element I'll mention and why it's tricky to cover climate change, and that's the audiences. Um, you do need to cover all the causes, the trends, the underlying science, uh, but it can be difficult to get audiences interested in that, um, things that they can't necessarily see and things that are very complicated and that which play out over time. Um, and things that are also quite frankly depressing and scary and difficult to understand. So one big through line for our digital news report this year is that people are tuning out to the news more and more because of the, the stories that are playing out are depressing or difficult to understand. So for newsrooms, it's tricky to get audiences interested in this topic because it is so big, it's, it's depressing, it's scary. 
Um, yeah, so that's sort of one thing. That, that's that's absolutely uh, the perfect sort of um, segue to the next question. So let's let's talk about the audiences. Um, the Digital News Report um, gauges audiences' behavior in forty six markets around the world. What variation do we see in interest um, in climate change between these countries? So we see some pretty large variations, and it's it's kind of interesting to see how they are grouped by different regions. So if you look at interesting climate change news, it's highest in several markets in Latin America, Southern Europe, and Asia. So for instance, in our survey, the highest levels of interest we find are in Greece and Portugal, so countries in Southern Europe, as well as in Chile and the Philippines. Um, and these markets, around half of the people say they are interested in climate change news. Uh, but then we can con contrast these with the stark differences we see in northern and western European countries and places like Norway or France. We find pretty low levels of interest. So only a third of people in these countries say they are interested in climate change news. And then we have the country with the lowest level of interest, uh, which is the United States, where only 30% of people say they're interested in climate change news. And we'll get to the reasons behind that in a moment. Yeah, what could explain these variations? So when I looked at the data, one of the difficult things I had to figure out was why it looked the way it did. So as researchers, we're always looking for patterns in the data and for explanations. So when I looked at the large variations in interest in climate change news uh, and the groupings of countries, I had to sit back and think why it looked the way it did. Um, you know, why were Greece and Portugal and Chile um, among those with the highest interest? And why were Norway, France and the U.S. grouped together down the bottom? And I can see that there are, there are no perfect explanations. Um, there's some very nuanced and complicated reasons for different levels of interest in different countries. So it might be how climate change is covered or whether it's covered at all, uh, to how much of a political or social issue it is, if it is a social or political issue in that country at all. So, you know, for instance, if climate change isn't covered very much, people might express a bit more interest in the topic. Whereas if they feel like it's covered too much, people might express less interest in the topic. Or if climate change isn't a very polarized or political issue, people might be open to hearing about the topic. Um, whereas if it's a political, political or very polarized topic, people might tune out to it, uh, like in the United States. So these are sort of the possibilities, and we can't necessarily point to one reason over another in certain countries or based on this data and this research. Um, there'll be different reasons in each country. Um, but one factor I did come to and which sort of cuts across all the markets is how much each country is being affected by climate change. So in these countries where we see higher levels of interest, uh, we see that these countries have been impacted in recent years by pretty bad things. So there's been wildfires in, in Greece and Portugal, and there's drought in Chile. Um, these aren't the only countries to experience bad things. Um, the U.S. has had pretty frequent and bad forest fires in recent years, and their interest in climate change seems to be low. Um, but my working theory is that people will express more interest and pay more attention when bad things happen. So we're, we're a pretty visual species. We respond to stimuli. We respond to our surroundings. So when we can see in our own countries, in our own backyards, that bad things are happening, like fires or floods or droughts, and we can link them in our minds to climate change, then I think people express more interest and more openness to the topic because they see that climate change is real and there in their backyards. 
You mentioned uh, the link with um, climate change being a polarized or a political issue. And one of the things you look in your chapter is how political orientation correlates with individual interest um, in climate change news. What did you find? Yeah, so this is one of the key points which actually accounts for some of the differences we see in places like the US and Australia. So these countries have lower levels of overall interest in climate change news. Um, but there are also countries, as I say, um, which have experienced some pretty bad things in recent years. So each year we expect to see large and bad forest fires in the US and Australia. But these countries don't fit in the pattern of my theory of people being more interested in countries where bad things happen. And when I looked at the data, what I found was the explanation was, was politics, uh, polarization. So in both the US and Australia, climate change is arguably quite a political and polarizing topic. Um, and if we break down people's interest in climate change news by their political views, uh, we can kind of see what's going on. In both countries, there is extremely low interest in the topic among people on the right. So conservatives in the US, for example, are almost completely uninterested in the topic. And then people on the left are as about interested in the topic as people elsewhere in other countries. Um, but it seems to be that the very low interest among people on the right, the conservatives, um, which is driving down the overall level of interest across the country. So their low level of interest drags down the overall average. Um, and when, if we look at political discourse in the US around climate change, for instance, we can kind of see why this might be happening. And have you seen these um, in all the countries you look at? No, the interesting thing is, is it's not the case everywhere. So there are some countries where there's no major left-right political differences at all. Um, and this may be because climate change isn't such a political or polarizing issue in these countries yet. Or maybe that climate change isn't discussed as a major issue at all, so it hasn't had the chance to become polarized. But no, we don't always see the same kind of left-right polarization in other countries like we do in the US or Australia. If we look at the sources of information that people pay most attention to when it comes to climate change news, what are these sources and what do you think is the reason why people look at these specific sources? Yeah, so beyond people's interest in the topic, we also looked at where people said they got their information or news about climate change. Uh, we gave people a number of options to choose from. So we've got major news organizations, politicians, regular people, influencers and celebrities, um, documentaries, and a few other options. Uh, so we gave this list to people and asked them where they got their climate change news from, um, if they got climate change news at all. And interestingly, a source which came out on top across markets and age groups was documentaries, TV and film documentaries. Um, this was above major news organizations and also smaller or alternative news organizations. Um, and now the reason why I think documentaries were above news organizations, I think this comes back to us being a visual species again. So these documentaries aren't necessarily always about climate change. Maybe you have an environmental message or because they're about animals or the environment, people take them to be like implicitly about climate change, but they have climate change associations. And I think people remember them or pay attention to them because they have good stories and they have good visuals. So you follow an emotional narrative and you see the animals, the environments. Um, the documentaries are, are memorable and, and engaging and impactful. So people learn from them. And I think they also sometimes emotionally impacted by them. So they resonate with people and, and people remember them. 
Um, David Attenborough is also a very popular person. And people think about him when they think about um, climate change or environmental issues. So at the end of the day, I think that people are more just more likely to remember and be impacted um, by an episode of Blue Planet or a documentary or something like that than they are to remember a news article that they read in a newspaper or saw online. Um, so those highly produced documentaries are memorable and they have resonance. Um, a couple of other interesting things I'll also note. Um, we can see in our data just the sheer number of people, particularly on the political right, who say they don't pay attention to any sources for climate change news, so they don't pay attention to the topic at all. Um, and again, this is particularly the case in the US and Australia, but not the case in places like Chile or Portugal. And then we see the much higher levels of engagement with celebrities and influencers among younger people. Um, they're not the most popular source for information among younger people. That's still documentaries and major news organizations. Um, but younger people are sometimes two or three times more likely to get climate change news from celebrities, influencers, and activists online. Climate change is one of those issues where the scientific consensus is so overwhelming that some people feel journalism shouldn't engage in both sides. Um, what does our research say about people's attitude to impartiality um, around climate change news? Yeah, so we also, in our survey, asked people are, in all our markets um, how they think journalists should cover climate change as a topic. Um, so this could be to take a clear position in favor of climate change action, so taking a position saying we should do something, or this could be a position saying we should do nothing or be against climate change action, or this could be a position to reflect a range of views and let the public decide what to think. Um, so we put this to our respondents, and we did find some pretty big differences across countries. So in places like Chile or Portugal, we have, um, like we've mentioned so far, people tend to be in favor of journalists taking a positive stance. So they are more in, in favor of, more okay with journalists not being impartial um, to advocate for changes or solutions. Um, and this may be because political divides around climate change aren't so stark in these countries as they are in the US or Australia, or because the negative effects of climate change are being felt. So people see the importance of taking action or, or taking a stand. Um, and that translates into them maybe being in favor of journalists taking a stand. But on the other hand, in places like the US, Norway, Germany, uh, we see people favoring impartiality. So more people, particularly those on the right, want both sides covered. Um, they want to be able to make up their own minds about climate change after being given a range of views on the topic. So part of this difference comes from the very strong views of people on the right. Again, they are driving down some of the overall country averages and sort of leveling things out. It's a political and politicized and polarizing issue. So people want both sides told in these countries. Um, and I think part of the difference might also be the expectations around impartiality, especially in places like Germany or Norway, um, where they have expectations of impartiality from public broadcasters talking about these kinds of topics. Uh, interestingly, the political divide is the sort of the same we found last year in the 2021 Digital News Report, uh, where people on the right in particular wanted both sides of the story told, uh, while people on the left were more okay with journalists taking one point of view, you know, taking a stand on an issue. Um, and then last year, we also saw how views on impartiality split by age, and we find the same thing here again. So younger people are more in favor of journalists taking a stand on climate change, you know, 
advocating for positive action, whereas older people are more in favor of the both sides or impartial reporting. Keeping this in mind, do you think there are any pitfalls in newsrooms taking a more active or campaigning stance um, when it comes to covering climate news? I think there are benefits and pitfalls with any potential stance that's taken. So on, on the one hand, taking a stance down the middle, doing that both sides impartial reporting um, might risk people thinking that you're out of touch with scientific reality. So there is a scientific consensus and, and coming across like you're questioning that or playing it down the middle might not sit well with some people. Um, on the other hand, taking a clear stance in favor of action risks alienating those people in the public who aren't quite on board uh, with that. So it risks putting off those older or more conservative audiences who want impartiality or not advocacy. Um, but this is the line I think newsrooms have to walk and maybe sometimes this will, uh, someone will say this issue is important enough that they have to take a stance. And maybe some of those in the audience will be brought along um, and be convinced while others might be put off. Um, but what I do think is important, though, at the end of the day is for newsrooms to really think about who they want to reach and then how they want to reach them. So older people and those on the political right are very important and very politically active parts of the population. Uh, their participation is arguably needed if there's to be action on climate change. So it's a question of how to bring in that audience, not drive them away, and also how to serve those audiences who want newsrooms to take a more active stance. Um, it's a difficult task, especially when the issue becomes political and polarized, but it's sort of the line you have to walk. On this um, thing of becoming the issue becoming um, politicized, could this be a more of a problem in places where the issue is more polarized? Yeah, as I say, it's more difficult when the issue is politicized and more polarized. Um, it's hard when audiences are polarized on the issue. So in the US, you've got a large contingent of people who are completely dismissive of climate change or the issues and concerns around it. So it's maybe not top of the agenda for them. It's And it's also kind of viewed as a left-leaning issue. So journalists taking a clear stance will rub up against that. But I think if the evidence is clear and the facts around climate change point in one direction, you just sometimes you kind of have to report that. And then maybe those audiences will eventually come around or come along with you. But again, as I say, I think you have to consider audiences specifically and then make sure that you're thinking about how to reach them and engage them, even if they are tuned out to the story or they think it's a left-leaning issue or whatever they think it is. You have to think very clearly and deliberately how to reach them in engagement. And I think there are strategies to do that. You've mentioned documentaries before, and we've seen success of television documentaries you mentioned, or even the Netflix movie Don't Look Up, which is essentially an allegory or a satire about climate change and, and the world. And we've seen how these demonstrate that you can tell stories about the issues in engaging ways that appeal to a mass audience. Do you think there is anything newsrooms can learn from the report um, and these examples on how to enhance their storytelling around climate change? Yeah, Don't Look Up is an interesting example. Um, so it's not a documentary, obviously. It's a movie which has told a story about climate change, you know, around the politics around the issue in a, an engaging way. So it's used comedy and satire. And I think those elements are kind of disarming and helps tell the story of how climate change is politicized. And it had resonance with people, I think, because it connected with something many people feel that we seem to be ignoring such a big, big issue. Um, but what can we learn from it? 
and I guess from the documentaries as well, I, I think it's about narratives and it's about emotions. So facts and figures are very important. So they are key to the story. Um, but there are only so many facts and figures that people can take at the end of the day sometimes. We all do tune out at some point, um, and that's even me, and I'm a numbers person. I do tune out at some point when there's too many facts and too many figures. Um, so what I think sometimes is good to hook people and what draws them in as and what makes things memorable and impactful are stories. So people need narratives. Um, so maybe there's something to learn from documentaries or even from Don't Look Up, the movie, um, that people need clear stories and narratives to grasp onto. And then they see, need something that's more emotionally engaging and, and seems less dry. So that's not to say that all news reports should be dramatic narratives and emotional tales. Uh, you do need the fundamentals of the reporting. Uh, you need the hard, hard science, you need the data, you need the facts. Um, but I do think there's some more room there for engaging storytelling. Craig, thank you so much for joining on the podcast and helping understand um, such a complex issue. Thanks for having me. Our guest today was Dr. Craig Robertson, postdoctoral research fellow at the Institute. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Digital News Report 2022 podcast series. You can catch up on the other episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcast. And if you want to read the report in full, you can find it online at digitalnewsreport.org slash 2022. And if you don't want to miss any news from the Institute, you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter by clicking the link on our Twitter bio or on our homepage. This was Future of Journalism, a podcast by the Reuters Institute. I'm Federica Cherubini, and we'll be back soon.